I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me once again to the book of Hebrews. This morning we are in Hebrews chapter 11. And when you get there, Hebrews chapter 11, would you join me in rising out of reverence for God's holy word as we read our passage together, Hebrews 11 verses 1 to 16. Hear the mighty word of God. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, the he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself looking backwards? Back toward your old life? Back to the time before you became a Christian? Have you ever found yourself filled with doubt or uncertainty? 
Our passage this morning is clearly talking about faith. And faith is the opposite of doubt. Many people today think that the opposite of faith is reason. But that is not actually the case. In truth, the opposite of faith is doubt. And it is doubt that begins to cause us to look over our shoulder to the life we used to have. Do you remember Lot's wife? As the two angels were leading Lot and his wife and his two daughters out from the doomed city of Sodom, the angels specifically told them not to look back. And what did the wife of Lot do? She turned back for one final look as Sodom and Gomorrah were being destroyed. And scripture says that she was turned into a pillar of salt. Why did she look back? It's because her heart was still in Sodom. She doubted the words of the angels that, the word, that they had told them. And so she looked backwards toward her old life, her old friends, her old pleasures. And she received the consequences of her actions. But even Lot himself hesitated. We sometimes miss that when we read the story. Even Lot hesitated. When the angels told him to flee the destruction of God, he lingered. He dilly-dallied. He hung around. And the Bible says that the angels had to seize Lot and his wife and his two daughters by their hands and physically drag them out of Sodom. Why? Because none of them really wanted to leave. They doubted the word of the angels that God was going to bring destruction upon that city. Have you found yourself longing for the past? Looking backward? Doubting? The remedy to all these things is found in our great passage this morning. That we have the privilege of studying together. Hebrews chapter 11. The remedy is faith. Not faith as the world defines it, not faith for its own sake, that's faith for the sake of faith, not an abstract kind of faith, not a blind faith, not a spiritualized faith. No, Hebrews is talking about real faith, genuine faith that is grounded in the faithful and unchanging God. The last verse of the last chapter the last verse of Hebrews chapter 10 has just told us what doubt is, what looking backwards is, what non-faith is. So look with me there for a moment at the last verse of chapter 10, verse 39. Here we're told what non-faith is. And then in 11.1, that's the first verse of our passage, then we're told what faith is. So verse 39 says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So then what is non-faith? Well, non-faith is a shrinking back. It's a falling away. It's a rejecting, a shunning, an avoiding. This leads ultimately to destruction. For verse 38 had said that God is not pleased with such a one. Conversely, then, faith is a stepping forward. It's an embracing, an accepting, 
of the truth of God. And so in verse 1 in our passage this morning, Hebrews begins with a definition. The definition of faith. He tells us what faith is here. In the previous verse, he told us what faith is not. It is not a shrinking back unto destruction. And now he's going to define what faith is. And this definition is actually going to be the controlling thought for the entire chapter that we're going to study. It is the thesis statement that Hebrews is going to flesh out and unpack in the following verses, as we shall see. So let's look at verse 1 together. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And do you notice here how Hebrews gives two aspects of faith here? So let's consider the first aspect. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The key word there is hoped for. When we hope for something, what are we doing? We're looking forward. We're looking forward to the future, aren't we? So the first aspect of faith is that it is a forward-looking, future-oriented thing. Faith doesn't look back over its shoulder like Lot's wife did. Faith doesn't hesitate or doubt or shrink back like even Lot himself did. No, faith presses forward. It presses on, looking to the future. We will see what it looks to in a moment. The second aspect, though, in the definition, verse 1, regarding faith, is that it is the conviction of things not seen. This is a present aspect. The first one was future-oriented. This one is grounded in the present It points to a present reality. The author of Hebrews here uses the plural, things, but I think he has in mind one particular unseen thing. Not a thing, but a who. He's talking about God here. God is the one that we do not see, and yet we place our conviction in him. Therefore, we could say that this aspect of faith is upward-looking. Toward the God whom we are convinced is there, but whom we cannot see. And so, when we bring these two aspects of faith together from verse 1, we see that it is a faith that is looking forward and upward. A faith that confidently looks to the future, and also confidently dwells in the present trust of a faithful God. So faith looks forward and upward. And then in verse 2, Hebrews invites us to take a look backward at the past, to the examples of faith in our spiritual ancestors in the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 11 is actually one of those chapters in the Bible that has a special name. It is known as the Faith Hall of Fame. In downtown Toronto by Union Station, what do we have there? We have the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's where all the best players in the history of the sport of hockey are commemorated. Their jerseys are on display and their accomplishments in the sport are recounted. The Hockey Hall of Fame is a celebration of the sport of hockey. So here in Hebrews chapter 11, we have the Faith Hall of Fame. 
Hebrews is going to take us down memory lane, like a tour guide, pointing out how the Old Testament saints lived by faith. He's going to be repeating this phrase over and over again, by faith, by faith, by faith. And we are going to see how these examples of faith that Hebrews uses, how they serve to illustrate the definition that he has just laid down in verse 1. And so this morning, between verses 3 to 16, we are going to look at three points. First of all, God wants us to have faith, or God wants us to put faith in him. Secondly, God wants us to put faith in his promise. And thirdly, God wants us to look forward to eternal life with him. So let's consider our first point this morning, in verses 3 to 6. God wants us to put faith in him. And this is unpacking the second aspect in his definition of faith that Hebrews had laid down in verse 1. So he sort of flips it. So we're looking at the second aspect from verse 1. And now Hebrews gives us three examples of the faith that rests in the present reality of who God is. We have said that faith looks forward and upward. Well now, in these verses, we're looking upward to the glory of God. So verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So Hebrews begins here by taking us right back to the beginning of it all. Right back to creation. This is the foundation of faith. We believe that God is the creator of the universe. He did not create everything out of something else. He did not create everything out of himself. No. He created ex nihilo, out of nothing, by his commanding word. It is only by the power of his word that the universe came into being. Everything we can see all around us came into the existence by the command of the God who is unseen. This is the powerful God that we rest in by faith. The one who created us by knitting us together in our mother's womb and also created everything we see around us. God wants us to put faith in him. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Do you notice how Hebrews skips over Adam and Eve? It's interesting to note. Does that mean that Adam and Eve didn't have faith in God? Perhaps. Perhaps that's what the Holy Spirit is indicating here. In any event, Hebrews begins by pointing to the example of Abel. When God accepted Abel's offering, it showed that God had accepted Abel's faith as though it were righteousness. What is this pointing to? It's pointing to Abel's relationship with God. Abel was trusting in God, looking to God, resting in God, finding his worth in God. Abel's faith was an upward-looking faith. Enoch is the same. Verse 5, by Enoch, or by faith, rather, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. 
Now, before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. Enoch, like Abel, serves as an example of the faith that looks to God. Enoch, too, was in relationship with God, which is what God wants from us. For this pleases him. This is that upward-looking faith that dwells in the present reality of God's care and provision. I remember once I was babysitting a dog while friends were on vacation. And this dog was a mixed breed, so ugly that it was cute. And her name was Sally. And I'd take Sally out for walks to get her some exercise and so she could do her business. And it fascinated me how, how Sally would always be looking at my face in order to figure out what I wanted from her. And so on our walks together, I would have some theological thoughts. And I remember thinking, that is how we should live our lives as Christians. Never taking our eyes off of the face of God. We should have our eyes constantly fixed on Him. This is the faith that rests in God at the present time. The faith that looks upward. The faith that seeks to be in relationship with God, as Abel and Enoch show us. God wants us to put faith in Him. Verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. Forever, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Here, he, Hebrews states that you cannot please God or be pleasing to God without faith. Faith is key. Faith is crucial to pleasing God. It was Abel's faith that pleased God. It was Enoch's faith that was pleasing to God. This even reminds us that faith itself is a gift from God. As it says in Hebrew, or rather Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Faith itself is a gift that comes from God's hand. But Romans 8, verses 7 to 8, remind us that the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So what, what do we do? Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God, and yet Hebrews has just told us that without faith it's impossible to please God. That's why faith has to be the gift that God graciously grants us. When we are in our sinful state, when we were in our sinful state, we could not please God. But then he graciously regenerated our hearts and gave us the faith to believe so that then we could be found pleasing in his sight. And look at how verse 6 gives two aspects of belief once again. What must we believe? It says that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Well, that's, that's really essentially restating the definition from verse 1, isn't it? It's just flipping the order. God exists. That's in the present. He rewards those who seek him. 
That's in the future. We are assured of what we hope for. That is the reward that God has promised to those who seek him. And we are convinced of that which we do not see, namely God, that he is real. Even though we cannot see him, we trust that he exists. And because he exists, we trust the promise found in his word that he will reward those who seek him. God wants us to put faith in him, the faith, the kind of faith that pleases him. So do you find yourself doubting ever or looking back to your old life? Well, you're looking in the wrong direction. God wants you to look up towards him, to trust in him and rest in him, to know that he exists. He has created everything around us. God has created us for relationship with himself. That's what we were designed for. And in Jesus Christ, that relationship that was once broken has now been mended. So that by faith in Jesus, we can draw near to God and enter into right relationship with him. Our second point this morning comes out of verses 7 to 12. God wants us to put faith in his promise. From the definition of faith laid out in verse 1, we have been looking at the second aspect, looking upward. Now Hebrews turns to the first aspect, looking forward in hope. Remember verse 1 said, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So let's look at verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah was told about the future destruction of the world by a great flood. But he was also given the means of salvation for himself and his family. Noah's faith was oriented toward the future. He was looking forward to God's deliverance. He was trusting that God would see him through the waters of the great flood to the new world on the other side. So faith both, both rests in God in the present and it looks forward to the future reward that God has promised. And notice two things with me from the second half of verse 7. It says that Noah condemned the world. What does that mean? It also says that Noah became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So first of all, Noah condemned the world. What does that mean? It means that Noah declared that his pre-flood world was under God's judgment, and rightly so. Noah turned his back on that condemned world in order to look up to God, to look forward to God's salvation. Noah shunned his old world in order to look forward to a new world, a new city, the city of God. The second phrase there is very interesting. He became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Because this reinforces what the Apostle Paul said about the relationship between righteousness and faith. Being right in God's eyes, being righteous in his sight, is something we can never achieve 
by our good works. Because they will never, ever be good enough. They will always be filthy rags in the sight of God. Instead, we are declared righteous. We are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. Noah looked forward to God's future salvation. The immediate salvation in being saved from the flood, but also the ultimate salvation that God would provide in saving sinners. Did Abel know who Jesus Christ was? Did Enoch know about the cross of Calvary? Did Noah understand that the Messiah would be the Lamb of God who takes away sin? No, none of them knew these things. But they knew that God is mighty to save. And they trusted that his salvation was coming. They didn't know what form it would take, but they believed it was coming all the same. The reward that God has promised is salvation from his just judgment and wrath. God wants us to put faith in his promise. Verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Here too, Abraham also had a future-oriented faith. He left his homeland, not knowing where he was going, but he trusted in God and he trusted in the promise that God had given. He lived in the promised land in a tent, just like his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob did. And a tent, obviously, is not permanent. It's not secure. It doesn't have a foundation. So Abraham moved from place to place, and he pitched his tent in many different places, all the while trusting that God was going to bring the permanence. And so verse 10 tells us that in the midst of Abraham's wanderings, he was actually looking forward ultimately to the greater country, a better city. A city with foundations built by God himself. Abraham looked to the promise that God had given to him regarding the land of Canaan. But in so doing, Abraham was at the same time looking beyond that promise to the greater reward that lay behind it, to the ultimate promised land, city of God. Faith looks forward to the future. When God will accomplish all that he has promised. And in the meantime, we put our trust in the faithful God who made these great promises. So verse 11 says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. God kept his promise to Abraham and Sarah to provide them, not only with a miracle child born to them in their extreme old age, but also to bring forth an entire nation of descendants that 
outnumber the stars in the heavens and, and the sand on the seashore. And if God is faithful to keep that promise, then he is also faithful to keep the greater promise lying behind it, the promise of eternal salvation. God is faithful to keep his promises. By faith, we consider him faithful, and we trust that he will keep his word. Do you find yourself doubting sometimes? Do you find yourself looking backwards over your shoulder at the life you left behind? Don't look back. Don't shrink back in doubt. Look upward to the face of God and look forward to the reward of salvation that he has promised. For he who promised these things is faithful, utterly faithful, eternally faithful. This morning, God wants us to put faith in his promise. Our third and final point this morning comes out of verses 13 to 16. God wants us to look forward to eternal life with him. God wants us to look forward to eternal life with him. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, all of these Old Testament saints admitted that this world is not their own. They understood that they were aliens and strangers living in a foreign land. They knew that this was not their home. They were looking forward to their permanent home, their homeland, their true country. Somehow they knew that there was something better waiting for them. But what they were experiencing was mere shadows in comparison with the reality to come. They were by faith looking forward and beyond to a better country, verse 16 says, to a heavenly country. And along with them, we too long for this heavenly country. We too understand that we are strangers and exiles on the earth. As the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is where? In heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore God is not ashamed of them or of us to be called our God. Just think about that for a moment. If God is proud to call himself our God, that means he is proud to call us his people. This is the language of relationship once again. We are in relationship with our God and he with us. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pastor and the sheep of his hand. 
Because he is our God, and we are his people, God has prepared for us an eternal city to live in, to live in with him. It is the city of God, where God dwells intimately with his people. It's not like in the wilderness with the Israelites, where the thick curtain of the tabernacle separated God from his people. No, in Christ, that curtain has been torn in two from top to bottom. And so in the heavenly city of God, there will be no separation between the holy God and his people. For he has made them perfectly holy. We will dwell in the very presence of our God in the city he has designed and built. The heavenly new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, adorned as a bride for her husband. The Old Testament saints had the same faith that we do today. We only have the advantage that we know what the object of our faith is. The Lord Jesus Christ. But the same cross that it has saved us is the same cross that saved Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah. They trusted by faith in a faithful God who keeps his promises. And they looked forward by faith to the salvation that he would provide. They looked to the promise behind the promise that God would ultimately bring them into his eternal city. God wants us to look forward to eternal life with him. So do you sometimes experience doubt and find yourself maybe looking back? Instead, look upward and forward. For faith is assured of what we hope for, which is the salvation that God has promised. And faith is convinced of him whom we do not see. The faithful God who always faithfully keeps his promises. Let us pray. <laughs> Father God, we are so thankful that you are a faithful God who keeps his promises. And because you are faithful, and because we can trust in you, therefore we can look forward to the receiving of the greatest reward, entrance into your city, where we will be called your people, and you will be called our God, and we will live with you forever in your holy presence. And so, Father, in the meantime, we groan because we are aliens and strangers and exiles in this world. Just like those Old Testament saints who, by faith, looked upwards in trust of you and looked forward, knowing that your promise was sure and true. And so, Father, by faith, we do the same. Upon the foundation who is Jesus Christ, we trust in you. And we look forward to the reward that you have promised. Nothing less than eternal life. Father, help us to live in light of this faith. So often, Father, 
Our faith is in our minds, but it doesn't work its way down to our hearts. It doesn't work its way down to our hands and to our feet. It doesn't work itself down to our lives. And Father, we ask for your power and your grace to change. That the faith of our minds would become the faith of our hearts. The faith of our minds would become the faith of our hands and feet and of our lives, Father. That as we meditate on our awesome God and on the promises that you have given, that this truly would transform how we view ourselves, how we view our neighbors, how we view our lives, and even how we view the world around us. So that like those Old Testament saints, we can condemn the world as worthy of destruction and even condemn ourselves as deserving of your wrath and yet in faith look forward to your salvation that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Father, we give you thanks for this magnificent chapter from your word. I pray that these things would sink down within us that whenever we might find ourselves looking backwards, that instead we would look forwards and look upwards. So that we would grow closer to you day by day. Father, I ask your blessing on everyone here that hears these things and have studied your word today. I pray that we would meditate upon these things, not letting them go in one ear and out the other, but as we leave this place, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work within us, within our hearts, to change us, to be more like you. To give us that faith that is a gift. The faith that endures and perseveres, and preserves our souls. The faith that looks up to you and looks forward to your promise. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.